What up, what up, what up, and welcome to On Depp with Tony and Ken, episode 39. Ken, how are we feeling this week? Yeah, man, all good, all good. Uh, I mean, it's been a very eventful week. It's actually been a very, it's going to be a very eventful two weeks. So last week and this week, because, um, well, we're going to get into it a little bit later on. But um, yeah, like, I've been good, man. Been very, very uh, entertained by uh, <laughs> things that will be coming very, very soon. And just enjoying my uh, two weeks off from work. But yeah, man, uh, beyond that, and um, gorging on fatty foods and enjoying myself a bit too much. Yeah, I'm good, man. How about you, bro? Um, ditto on the fatty foods and overindulgence. Like, I'm a bit worried because Comic Con's coming up this 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 weekend. So I'm I'm thinking, am I still gonna fit into my costume? Hopefully, I can. Um, other than that, um, I, you know, you're aware of the fact that I was suffering with a, a massive flu last week. Completely knocked me out. Uh, but I'm mostly recovered now. You might hear some nasalness. I don't really know. Maybe. Uh, but other than that, I'm feeling good, feeling strong. Um. Just, just living life one day at a time. Um, go, going back to reading comic books again. I think when you with the impending com- comic con coming up, it's got me feeling like I want to. I want to read comics again. I haven't actually read comics like properly in a very long time. Still watching Star Trek. Still watching Star Trek Voyager just to get in the juices of the of nerdism. Uh, but other than that, man, glorious, man, glorious. That's what I can say. Yeah, it's good to hear, man. Like uh, I think. Um, ooh. Uh, as we've said for many many episodes now we have a very large catalogue of things to actually get through and um, Mm -hmm. I find myself struggling to get through it Um, even on Netflix I noticed some things dropping this week or have already dropped I'm just like yep I'm going to get to it in like two weeks (laughs) because uh, of time I'm still trying to catch up with other things that I put on hold like three months ago but no I'm I'm happy with everything uh, how it is I, I don't know when this gravy train will ever end um, mm-hmm. it's only seeming to get better it's not like a cheap gimmicky stuff well you still get cheap gimmicky stuff in terms of media but uh, at least we have an, a plethora of good content uh, happening but then some things usually don't make the cut unfortunately um, usually when they have an opportunity which mm-hmm. you know get, puts us nicely into a bit of news that has come across um, mm-hmm. why The Last Man has been cancelled something that, that is, is in the comic oh man it's in the comic book uh, um, fandom like it's a comic book that people genuinely love and care about and it mm. didn't last a season unfortunately well it no. lasted a season it didn't last beyond a season and it's, it's quite heartbreaking because um, I remember there being initial buzz about it um, but extreme buzzes uh, on both sides one side was like yes oh my gosh they're finally adapting this book this is amazing rah, rah, people are going crazy for it and then you have the other side of people that have no idea about the comic and assuming right. it's something that had a bigger agenda and uh, mm-hmm. thought it was quite insulting because of the way that the world corrupted in the comic uh, or in the series mm-hmm. and people had a lot uh, had, a, had a lot of opinions about something that they hadn't mm-hmm. seen yet and that was quite heartbreaking mm. to see because like, yo, like read the comic, read the source material or even watch the series properly to gain a bit more insight into it. I mean, Tony, like, because I, I, I know it's still running now. Like, what are your thoughts on the show as it currently stands? This is the problem and this is the truth of the show. Um, you're adapting a, a comic that had a very, lo- very long run and a lot of storylines that built up over time. Um, this this show, unfortunately, it being like a very niche product, like it's niche in 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 subject matter. You know, the idea of a dystopian future where all men are dead and women left to run it. 
uh, I mean, I get the criticisms, right? Like people see it's like, oh, so what are you saying? When women are left to run the world, everything goes to shit. It's like, yes, of course, that's what would happen. Vice versa, if women, if men were left by themselves, everything will go to shit as well. Like the fact is, you are having forty. Um, once again, forty to fifty percent of your population just drop down dead. That's people well, in 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 positions that maybe you know shared by both genders but like if you own a company and your company's pretty balanced and you got a hundred percent a hundred people there 50 percent of them are men 50 percent are women if 50 percent of them drop die that's your business shutting down like you can't cope with demand imagine that on the world stage if half of the population just poofs goes you know ergo you know infinity uh, once again uh infinity war with the snap things are not moving smoothly so I think a lot of people wanted to have an agenda of sexism and misogyny or misandry, whichever side you're on. Um, but I don't think that was the point of the story. The point of the story is that what happens in mass tragedy and in this tragedy, when everybody says who run, once again, men run the world, you know, when the coin is flipped, but everybody's left to pick up the pieces, what really happens? It's not about necessarily yeah. women failing to run the world. Is that what happens when women are left to pick up the pieces of ruin? Yeah, I completely agree, man. And Tony, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just just, just double-checking that connection. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, no, I completely agree. Because I was thinking about it as you were saying it. Imagine if, like, you know randomly half the teaching staff just just disappeared for whatever reason strike mm. sickness whatever i've seen staff just disappeared yet the amount of kids that have to be taught doesn't change the amount right. of work that needs to be done doesn't change so it's left with everyone else to pick up the pieces that means classes will be collapsed so now it's no longer 25 to 30 students in a class it might even be 60 plus students in one place cramped trying to learn with different abilities and everything there are mm. too many complexities where you just drop the work for I know like there are places that go on strikes, there are people that like lose jobs and whatever, whatever. But because there is abundance of people to either replace them or that company actually is failing and has to just be shut down anyway or gets replaced by machines, mm-hmm. it makes sense that it can be relatively manageable. But then yes. we had something recently with it in this country and we talked about it last week or the week before where we had our petrol crisis where... Uh, well, it's a bit controversial in some aspects, but just a long story short, in the UK, um, we had a shortage of of uh, petrol uh, tanker drivers. So petrol wasn't being delivered uh, to petrol stations, which caused a panic because the news said, yeah, don't panic buy, which caused everyone to panic buy. So because we didn't have the workforce to deliver the petrol, because there's nothing wrong with the amount of petrol, petrol was there. We just didn't have the workforce uh, um, to actually drive it. And that was a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people in the UK. Imagine half the population in the world disappears. It's not petrol that's the problem now. Just everything, mm-hmm. like everything functioning. So I, I do find that quite weird of a, of a statement that people came up with that, that can easily be refuted. But um, that was one of the issues that the show ran into. But at the same time, like... It, it wasn't there's nothing wrong with the show I think you said it quite well it, it is a niche show it's not something that appeals to everyone um, it appeals to people getting upset <laughs> to some degree but um, nothing nothing too major maybe like the the fans of the comics so which begs the question Tony um, when it comes to adapting a well-known comic 
well, a niche comic because it's not well known. Adapting yeah. a niche comic, how how does Hollywood or how do the studios make it appeal to the masses? Um, because a lot of there's been a lot of comic book properties mm. that have not done well um, yeah. in the same in the same kind of field. But then we have a lot of comic book uh, franchises that have done exceptionally well mm-hmm. um, that were that started off niche. But, uh, one example of one that didn't do well for whatever reason was Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim was mm-hmm. like, I really enjoyed reading that comic and I, yeah. I enjoyed even more so the film, but it didn't make money. It made stupidly low amounts of money. No mm-hmm. one watched it, and which is that was a damn shame. I think it gained a cult following after, but um, it's a, you know, it, it's one of those ones. That it's um, sometimes it's a failure of distribution in terms of like I think one of the mistakes that Disney runs into, it, it's to the benefits and to the, the the detriment. But obviously, this is a show that came from FX, which Disney owns now because they bought everything Fox. Um, so you could watch it on Disney Plus if you wanted to. Um, the problem is. Um, you're 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 trying to have your cake and eat it, right? They came they come with a format of having everything on a weekly basis, right? Their Marvel shows, um, their Star Wars stuff comes out on weekly, but you have that cachet. You have people that are willing to wait a whole week to watch that next Star Wars joint, that next uh, Marvel joint. Why the Last Man, for the most part, even in the comic book industry, is still pretty niche. It's not small. It's not tiny. It's, you know, popular. Like, if you know your comics, you know your comics. But in terms of, like, it's not on the level of something like The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, when it came onto the comic street, uh, scene, it was a revelation. It, it persisted. Um, it penetrated. And it's one of those ones you already have that conditioning within that medium of waiting it on a uh, waiting for the next issue every month to month but you look at something like why the last man for the most part the book ended a very long time ago it ended even before the days of streaming if i'm if i'm correct um or streaming in the zeitgeist let's put it that way so you have something that's not even familiar to the quote-unquote millennial or gen z audience what do you do you do what netflix does mm. where it says like hey here's the content right we might have not done a great deal in terms of marketing this joint but we're just gonna have it here you'll catch it when you catch it and when it sticks like glue you're gonna be doing the marketing for us you look at something like squid game squid game did not have billboards it did not have posters. It didn't have massive trailers. Like it had the the one YouTube trailer. You can literally go into Netflix's page and see it. And you have the trailers that they put on the, the Netflix app, right? That's, that show penetrated the zeitgeist because of word of mouth, because of memes. With something like Why the Last Man, you're already running into the issue of the subject matter, right? People that are sexist, homophobic, transphobic, are going to have something to say to, uh, say about it. Misogynists are going to have something to say about it. Misandrists are going to have something to say about it. Feminists are going to have something to say about it. And you're fighting all of that, but you haven't done the job of actually doing massive, a massive rollout for it. And that could be the nature that things went wrong over the, uh, the pandemic and things have to shift, money had to shift elsewhere. And they probably put it out to die knowing that they weren't going to do a season two anyway. Who knows? <coughs> Pardon me. So all of that combined and the fact that if I'm being honest, I'm a big fan of the book, but the show, I don't know where to put my finger on it, but just didn't do the things to capture me on a week to week episode. I I only got to episode three. I only got to episode three, Ken. Mm. 
So, yeah, yeah. you know, um, uh, that's, I, I that's agree. my stance uh, on it. Yeah, um, as you were saying it, it, it got me thinking because uh, this thing about the media that is incredibly popular and you touched upon it as well mm. about Squid Games being very recognisable and very memeable. Um, some of the most popular songs in recent history, and I say recent history, I mean the last couple of years, um, and yeah. some of the most popular TV shows and films of in recent history, the reason why they have gained an extra bit of success, I'm not mm. saying that they weren't or weren't successful, but what usually helps with their success is how meme how memeable are they and how TikTokable are the songs? Mm-hmm. Like, let's not lie, like some of the most popular shows, no, all the popular shows get memed. Yeah. Squid Game got memed, um, Invincible got memed yeah. heavily. Think Mark, think. Yes. Like even till today that's still a meme. Yeah. Right? Some Even of if you the go, um, like a few so- years back, you look at Daredevil and all of the Netflix Marvel joints, they got memed as well. Yeah, exactly. So the question is what what in the show is exciting or shocking or whatever that invokes a emotion that allows people to care enough to meme it? Mm. And that was my issue with the show. It it kind of wasn't interesting. Mm-hmm at all it wasn't interesting that the subject matter was bloody shocking and i'm like whoa this this is crazy but that was literally the first episode then after that it just became incredibly slow and then right. the main character was incredibly stupid in very logical scenarios right and i was just thinking right what was if if the if this show the best thing is like drama because of stupidity then i switch off um there were other good things about it. I liked how they set everything up um, and the whole idea and how they're actually trying to get out of this. But then the, the shocking aspects of it and then the things that are meant to invoke emotions just weren't there for me. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying that's the reason why it, it should have got cancelled. No, because there's some um, shows that I think are trash that are mm-hmm. still running right now mm-hmm. um, that don't invoke any emotion from me. But it's, think, just, it's just just the way it is. I think just sorry to interject there, but like I think for those shows that you know we may think is trash, you know, then there's loads of shows out there. You know, like I can think of off of my top of my head ones that one that's trash that's being cancelled is Supergirl, um, and one that's trash that's still going on, going strong is uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which I actually had fun with at the beginning. I enjoyed its level of cheese because it knew what it was. But I think the distinct benefit that those shows have, especially it's still existing in the format of releasing on a week-to-week basis, is that they entertain their core audiences, right? Criticisms yeah. aside, yeah. they entertain their core audiences. Now, you look at yeah, something like Why the Last Man, we are its core audiences, right? We're the fan, for me anyway, I'm a fan of the book, and I wasn't being entertained, and that's a failure. It's not... I think the worst thing you can do in anything you do is... Um, not necessarily be bad or be good. I think when you're on polar sides, there's something to be gleaned there. Like a bad film is always a bad film, but you can have fun with it. A good film is a good film and you enjoy it because it's good. When you're in the middle, when you're kind of like meh, that's the worst place to be because like you invoke oh, indifference. And what, the moment yeah. you invoke indifference, that's it's, it becomes so easy to click onto something else. So easy to say, yeah. I'll catch this eventually and it's so easy to say like this is so fine it's just so okay I'll wait till it's done the season's done <laughs> and I'll watch it then and the, that's the that's the worst thing a lot of people have that mentality or that I'll wait until it's done and I'll watch the whole thing the problem is a lot of people don't realise is that a lot of these networks and a lot of these streaming platforms still rely on that initial data thing right they always still yeah, rely exactly. on ratings and if you're not getting their ratings at the beginning because obviously they're dependent on marketing you know those ad hours those like you know 
commercial points every 10 minutes because that's how they make their money like people see oh this show is very very successful eyeballs are on it we're gonna get our time slot to get that ad for our new car on there and that's how these networks make money if nobody watches it no uh, none of these marketing uh and and advertising companies are interested to get those time slots so the network is not obligated to keep that show running because it's not drawing eyes to the marketing people need to remember shows are not necessarily designed by these studios to actually entertain you they are to a degree the biggest thing is they entertain you enough to stick around to watch the ads and not flick over so they can make money that's it period but I think we've we've talked this one into the ground. Let's move on to another piece of news. Ken, you got another piece yeah, for me? So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Summary of the story, just don't be boring. <laughs> yeah. Don't be boring, be interesting. Um, yeah, so in the news, quite a bit has happened. What, the biggest thing, we'll start with the biggest thing first, mm-hmm. and then we'll uh, uh, deal with some of the other things we want to talk about. The biggest thing that's happened in the news is DC's fandom. Yes. Now, they've been going strong with this. This is uh, the third, is it the third year now? Yes. Um, well, whatever year it is, um, they have used this as a way of showcasing uh, everything that is DC and the love for DC. It's almost like a virtual Comic-Con mm. where they have panels of, you know, actors and people that are directors and writers of books and shows and uh, everything on it, even like uh, trailers or exclusive trailers. Literally, fandom is... Comic-Con for DC, but online, but without paying stupid amount of money to rent out a place uh, for all the merch and everything. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, qu- quite, I think it's been quite successful because I, I tuned into it. Uh, I think the last one that happened uh, over the weekend was, it was just under four hours uh, and it had a lot of content. Like, mm. It had something for every single fan of DC to some degree whether it's the comic books whether it's the shows whether it's whether it's the films right. whether it's people that cosplay whether people that do art and the few things other the big projects that were coming out of this is what me and Tony are going to talk about today because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk around uh, TV slash uh, films well mainly films uh, so TV films and game mm-hmm. uh, games that are going to be coming out soon uh, and so just to kick it off just so we're not talking too much about this um, we had the next slate of films that are due to come out for DC. Yes. Uh, and these are, uh, I'm just going to, in no particular order, we have Flash that's coming out, Shazam, Batman, Black Adam, Aquaman. Um, we have, oh, I think that's it for films. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of TV shows, new TV shows, we have Aquaman again, but the new animated Aquaman. Oh, dude, I watched um, the first episode. It, I loved it. Sorry to jump in, but t- I love the first yeah. episode. Bro, do you know what's funny about that first episode? What was um, it? it? It's so... It, I'm, I'm so... I'm in a weird position because... Mm. Okay, maybe it's different fans, but the art style and the joke style and the writing mm. of that Aquaman animated show yeah. is the exact same as Thundercats Raw. The exact same. Right. I've what I've, comple- I've completed Thundercats Raw just to see what everyone was talking about about how why, why, uh, how bad it was. Right. And then I watched the Aquaman uh, animation and I thought, yo, this is, this is the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the same. Yeah. Like the same mannerisms, the same everything. It might even be the same animator and the, or this, even the same writers because yes. that's how similar they are. Yes. I'm going to look into it. However, the reaction to these two shows are vastly different. But or maybe I need to look more is. into the internet to see. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course. It's like, n- Nostalgia like, Ultra. Like, 
Well, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That, that's part of it for sure. Nostalgia Ultra and also Aquaman for the longest time has been a joke mm. type thing. Mm. So they like they kind of lean into it a, li- a little bit in that first episode of this new yeah. show. And like the funny side of Aquaman, because we know like, oh, he just talks to fish and then he <laughs> makes dumb sounds. Like, his, like yeah. it's actually hilarious. It reminds me of Gumball. It reminds me of Teen Titans Go a little bit. You know what I mean? So it, you're right. It's the nostalgia aspect of it because people have gate kept, kept in their minds and vocally how they expect certain things to look for old school properties. And we've talked about this before with He-Man and now we're talking about with Thundercats. People like feel like it, it's heresy to think that you would ever, you know, insult a, a previous show by creating a new show that is quote unquote replacing it as if that new show, as if that old show disappeared. Same thing happened with uh, Teen Titans Go. Same thing happened with Teen Titans mm-hmm. when, when it first came out. We're comparing it to Justice League that came yeah. before. It's like, what? We thought we going to get a new Justice League, but we've got Teen Titans and it's more anime infused. And then we've got Teen Titans Go li- uh, years later on. Happened with Powerpuff Girls. Happened, it didn't happen with Young Justice, um, mainly because Young Justice more or less just went on a different level. Yeah. Like they wanted to do things as, as, as close, as accurate, or as, you know, drama filled as possible, not uh, comedy. So yeah, you're right. It's it's nostalgia that is getting people up in their feelings. Mm-hmm. But because Aquaman has nothing to be nostalgic about, there wasn't an Aquaman show prior. There wasn't an Aquaman cartoon or live action. Well, there was TV a cartoon. Show. There was a cartoon way back in the sixties or seventies. But there's no Rev. attachment to it. Whereas you see something yeah, like He Man exactly. from the Simia time period. Um, obviously, uh, once again, Thundercats is a bit later in the eighties. Um, those things are cemented in their fandom, right? You still got people alive mm. that give a crap about it. Whereas with Aquaman, I think where they benefited with the movie, where they benefited with any iteration of the newer stuff, even with the new comic book, is the case is like, you don't have anybody going to bat for Aquaman in the sense of like, oh, this is my Aquaman. So it gives opportunity to new creators, new writers, new directors, new visual styles where it's like, hey, there's nobody here to gatekeep because nobody gave a damn before. So we can go exactly. anywhere with it and not be say like, well, that's not my Aquaman. Well, you didn't give a damn about Aquaman before. So this is a new the pace with this one. Yeah. Yeah. They're setting the pace for this one. And I'm enjoying it, man. It's it's a, it's, it's, it's a great type of cheese for a great type of cheesy character. Um, the guy playing Aquaman, if um, you know people are not familiar, he plays the, the, uh, the foster dad in Shazam. Uh, really great voice actor I have to admit oh yeah that guy and it's like he's a great balance of trying to emulate a little bit of Jason Momoa while still giving his own flavour it's a good show Um, Aquaman King of Atlantis I definitely recommend it Ken out of all of these other things what what struck out to you what do you want to what do you want to discuss before we get into our reviews like for me I would like to talk about at least Batman uh, but I can like I think Flash. There's not much to say besides the fact that it was a scissor wheel of. M- there was more Batman in the Flash than there was the Flash, which is odd, mate. Yeah, well, from y- your question, quite honestly, there's not much to talk about with any of them mm-hmm. except for Batman because yeah. we haven't gotten full blown trailers for anything that I mentioned in terms of films. Yeah, even TV shows when it came to like Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Star Shock is going to come out soon. Peacemaker that's going to be coming out soon. Harley Quinn season three or four. Mm-hmm. Teen Titans season three, but now announced for season four. Like we haven't got trailers for any of those things. So there's not much to actually get excited about or talk about except the scissor reels, like you were saying. And like, just all we know is that things are happening. Mm-hmm. 
and soon to come. Like we haven't really seen the big uh, money shot, you know, the Hollywood money shot scenes of anything just yet, except for the Batman right. uh, film, which we are about to talk about. But I'm happy that all these other things are going to come out. You know, we might break off a little time to talk about the couple of games that are going to come out that are related to DC. Mm-hmm. But right now, in terms of films, it's really just Batman. Yeah. Tony, like, how do you feel after watching that Batman trailer? I'm very encouraged. I was encouraged after the first one. I've been encouraged the moment they announced uh, Robert Patterson as a Batman. Um, mostly because I love to see all of these nerds and non-nerds like just kind of lose their minds and say, what, Twilight and Batman? Twilight and Batman? Oh, they just ruined it. They just ruined it. Twilight and Batman. Where's my ba- Ben Affleck? I want Ben Affleck. It's like, it's interesting. Sorry, be- sorry. Yeah, sorry. Before you continue, mm. what's his Batman nickname? Because ben, uh, ben Affleck got Batflick. Mm. What's Patterson's? I think I've heard a couple and none of them are good because I think people realise <laughs> that like one is hard to do. I think I've heard Battinson, which is not a good one. Batson, yeah. Um and like some of them so are trying dumb. to turn like Twilight into it and it's like no, just chill, man. Just chill. Like, okay, so let, let me get into the trailer, what I like about it. So it opens up, you know, very, very dark. This this movie is going to be a very, very dark one. And, you know, I appreciate that, but I hope it's not to the point where we can't see any of the action. It's one of the criticisms I have for the original uh, Dark Knight, Be- uh, not the uh, Dark Knight Begins, one, sorry, Batman Begins. Uh, you can't, you just, there's too many cuts. Nolan went a bit too crazy with the cuts and you didn't get to see the fighting. Um... The visuals, I like the film grain that they have on it. Matt Reeves has got a very specific style and I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I like all of the casting, like, you know, um, Dano, I think his name is Steve Dano, I forget his first name. Uh, as the Riddler seems perfect. Um, Colin Farrell as the the Penguin, I mean, that- What a I transformation, did, mate. It's crazy. The The makeup on on him is, is incredible. Um, just that scene at the end where you see- the penguin i think he detonates something as he's trying to run away from the batman and he's like so convinced that he 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 killed the batman and you just see the batmobile which initially i thought to myself when i first saw the pictures of it it just seems like a souped up car then i see it in action and it's like it seems apropos because you think about all of the previous batmobiles besides from the 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 nolan one which is it's a tank it's designed to be a tank but you think about all of the old batmobiles and even Ben Affleck's one, it just doesn't seem practical in terms of a video, a vehicle that would exist on real roads. Give me one, one minute. <coughs> pardon, pardon me, oh, that, that cough wanted to get out. Excuse, excuse me for that. But yeah, like you look at <laughs> all, all of the vehicles um, that have been from the old films and even Ben Affleck's one, some degree, Christopher Nolan's one. There's no roads in America or in the UK that those vehicles can actually be on where you're not just destroying everything. Whereas uh, the one that they've designed in the Batman, which I think is, you know, it's going for very grounded, even maybe more so grounded than the Nolan film. I think it'll be interesting with the execution. I do see a little bit of CG there. There's a scene where he, he, uh, he drops down from a building and there is CG there. So I think it's going to be heightened when it needs to be heightened and grounded when it needs to be grounded. And I think that's a healthy balance. Uh, overall, I'm I'm finding it promising. I think I'm going to try to ignore all of the behind-the-scenes nonsense about how Robert Patterson didn't want to work out, Robert Patterson is being a diva and blah, blah, blah. I think... <coughs> pardon me. All of that stuff is um, propaganda. At the end of the day, if there was no confidence in this film, 
they would have just rushed it out. The fact is, they finished shooting this movie a very long time ago. So, I think we just proof is going to be in the pudding. It's either going to be good, or it's going to be bad. Everything else is just basically the argument you want to have by the water cooler. Ken, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I was excited. I'm excited about this film, and and I don't get excited for films because you know that's why I try and avoid trailers. But after seeing this trailer, well, even the lead up to this trailer with all the uh, with the past ones as well, where it's like I am vengeance. And after he put hands, he man, he put the paws on that goon man, <laughs> like in that first uh, teaser, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. That, that that looked painful, you know. Um, two things that I really liked about uh, what I've seen so far. And, you know, you, you stole the point <laughs> from me, which is, which is, I completely agree with. The Batmobile looks a lot more practical mm-hmm. um, than it's ever seen before. Like, looking at the uh, Nolan uh, Batmobile, it was more on the roof than on roads because, like you said, it wasn't designed to be on roads. You know, like, but this car, I can see it weaving between traffic. Mm-hmm. You ain't seeing the Bat tank weaving through tap- traffic. You know, the only thing that we saw weave through traffic and they realised it and that's why they put it in was the bat cycle. Right. You know Ooh, what I mean? Which like, was a beautiful that, that design. Was a, it was a beautiful design. I don't know how it can t- make turns but, you know, I still enjoyed uh, the, the design. So that's the first thing. The second thing I enjoyed about what I've seen so far is how stripped back the technology is. Mm-hmm. You know, we, like comparing it to, you know, the old school Batman uh, series or the old school Batman films, or even Nolan films um, after the first one, you know, it feels very, very manual. I don't feel like there's technology in this. If they said that this was set in the 1950s and he's just using muscle muscle car parts to build a Batmobile and very yeah. mechanical wires and, you know, I would believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, that nothing about this film is screaming out, yeah, yeah, it's at the, uh, we're using the best uh, Wayne Tech technology to 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 make this batman happen yeah um the other thing and the other thing that i noticed that was very very nice was uh, just to make it show that okay this batman isn't as is not is stronger than christian bell it's mm. batman but it's not insane like ben affleck or maybe even a different type of insane yeah it's that he just firm bullets bro yeah he just firm bullets he took firm like five six bullets clink 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 off his chest like he was superman i'm like yo What's, what's going on? Like, but then you know we didn't see him throw people through the air or throw a crate through the air like Batflick did. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what happens with this. It feels more like a thriller or a, a detective thriller than anything else. Yeah, where his mental space is is going all over the place. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that film with uh, what's his name, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. Huge Jackman, where a uh, reminiscence. I where still it was just like a, I still haven't watched that. Okay, cool. It, it, it it's it's like an old school like black and white detective film. Where it's like, all right, cool. Internal monologues. Oh, there's a crime, whatever, whatever. And I'm kind of involved. Oh, my emotions all over the place. You know, it feels a lot like that. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, Warner Brothers are trying to knock out as many great things as possible. Yeah, even with the whole Matrix trailer drop in uh, a while back ago. Like a lot's happening. Yeah, old WB. Yeah, the water tank is uh, is very full right now. Very much so. Very much so. But in, uh, let's not look too far forward into uh, what we want to watch. But let's look at the present and the past of what we have watched. Uh, Ken, uh, let's start off with our review, discussion, analysis, perspective on 
Sony's Venom. Ken, I want I want you to kick off first. How, 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 when did you see it? How did you feel? You know, give, give me the deets. Yeah, I watched it last night. Um, so Venom, my 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 lord. Are we going spoiler like, spoiler free? Well, it's, uh, uh, spoiler free, spoiler free at first. Um, now, Venom. When I first saw the first one, I was not impressed. I was not impressed, and I was entertained, but I wasn't impressed. You know, because I don't know if that's partly because I know who Venom is. I've read the comics. I've seen the TV shows. I've seen um, Venom in a lot of different forms of media. So I don't know what I was expecting. But um, I was entertained by the first Venom film, but I had no idea it would make the stupid amount of money it made to greenlight a uh, a sequel. So what happened in the sequel? Like, uh, is it something that I was as ent- entertained with? Is it something that I uh, would watch again? Uh, well, just before I get into that, uh, just a bit of information about Venom. Let there be carnage. If anyone knows about that word carnage, it has major connotations with the whole mythos of Venom. Carnage is the um, symbiote offspring of Venom who binds to a serial killer. Uh, uh, Is it Cletus or Clay Cassidy? Cletus Cassidy. Cletus Cassidy. And uh, who's a mass murderer and a uh, a ravenous monster symbiote from space binding with a murder a murderer uh is just it's it's a terrible recipe for for disaster and that's exactly as we know what the character is in the comic books and almost in every other bit of media that we've seen of it so that's kind of what i was expecting to see like i wanted to see the savagery or the creativeness of you know death that would happen in this in this film is that something that we saw I would say not as much as I, I as I expected, but then again, the rating of this film isn't uh, particularly high, so we weren't going to get you know the hardcore, you know, death, blood, and and horrible scenes from this. So, for the, the the big question, like, did I did I like the film? It was okay. It was okay. It was okay at best. Um, a, a, a lot of the film was. Uh, um, internal conflicts as you would expect from uh, uh, the main characters but beyond that I, I don't know it, there was a lot of fluff in between um, when I say fluff I mean that there was the main plot of you know that rivalry or, or that impeding like we know that battle's going to come between the two symbiotes in the middle it was just a lot of slow build up to get to that place but when it finally did happen it was so brief it wasn't as it wasn't as, inter- as 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 impactful as I wanted it to be, but yeah, man, like that, that was those. No, it, it it was okay. I I I was entertained, but it's not something that I'd probably watch again. Okay, now let me let me give my perspective. So, flashback to a few years ago. What was it? Twenty seventeen when the original Venom came out. Very mm. much excited for this film. Tom Hardy, uh, Tom Hardy playing a uh, another comic book character. Um, a villain. One moment, please. <coughs> I am so sorry. This uh, this cough has come out of nowhere. It's attacking me. Um, I think Venom knows I'm about that to cough attack it. Covidy. Oh God, could you could you believe? But no COVID, people. No COVID. But one moment, please. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, you know, you you you're seeing Tom Hardy 
you're excited because Tom Hardy is one of the A1 actors out there. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be interesting. There's going to be pathos here. There's going to be amazing acting, amazing storytelling. Nope, none of that. None of that. Just, uh, just nonsense. And by the end of it, it's just a diarrhea fight between two different colors of diarrhea. Um, no character development. No interesting stories. Just poor writing and Tom Hardy trying his best, his level best to just really eke out some level of good performance. Flash forward to last week when I go see Venom. I'm thinking to myself, <coughs> low expectation, I'm just going to have fun with this. Even though I've heard that Andy Serkis is directing, which I really enjoy Andy Serkis as an actor, as a character actor, as a physical actor, and he's, he's directed stuff before, he knows how to shoot things. And I will say this about the film. I feel that this film is far better directed than the previous film. I'm talking about the general framing of it is really good. Even uh, nighttime shots, you can see stuff. You know, Venom being a, a character that's primarily black, they've uh, they've lit it and shot it in a way where it gives his silhouette some kind of punch where you can see him through the darkness. Where this film they have falls, more money. Pardon? They have more money. They had more money, but I think they were smarter with it. I think with a previous film, they wanted to make a dark film, but also a comedy at the same time. Whereas this one, for its faults, admits say, hey, we are a dumb comedy. We are a odd couple comedy. And that's what they do for the majority of it. There's very dumb, bad jokes, um, some singing that was not appreciated, uh, but it knows what it is and it embraces it all the way through. It's like I said, this is nonsense. We got alien creature that's living rent-free in this human being. Pardon me, one moment. <coughs> But that aside, when it comes down to it, I appreciated to some degree their portrayal of Cletus Cassidy. I was worried that it was going to go over the top, OTT. They, he, Woody Harrison did a good job of reining himself in. But the problem that his character has is that nothing interesting was written for him to even remotely say. Everything was kind of just fair enough put in place to progress the plot. But the plot that was there was very thin. Um, I've never liked the Carnage character. I don't think he's interesting. Even in the comic books, his existence is purely, I just want to kill everything. Why? Because I want to kill everything. Like he is just chaos personified, but it, there's no edge to it. There's no real story, but they do give it, which I won't, one moment, <coughs> I won't ruin. They do give um, context to why he is a serial killer. One moment. <coughs> and when it comes to the final um, set piece, if you want to call it, the, the climax, I really, really enjoyed the climax. I thought there's a scene at the end in, um, in the church and a, a kind of like a multi-tiered fight between three superpower beings. And I thought it was well shot, well paced. Story-wise, it flowed well, and you could see stuff, and it wasn't this massive diarrhea fest that was the first film. Now, how did I feel about the film? Like Ken, I thought the movie was okay. Uh, but I will say this, I am more inclined to watch Venom 2 than I ever will be to watch Venom 1 again. Um, I had enough fun with it uh, where I needed to, to say, hey, I know what this is now. This is not a steak you're giving me, this is a burger. <coughs> it might not be GBK, 
but it's not as bad as Morley's. It's somewhere in the middle. It's Burger King. I know what I'm getting with Burger King. When I have a Burger King burger, I say, this is all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> this is all right. <laughs> so if you're in the mood for Burger King, I, I definitely recommend it. But if you have expectations on the level of something of a Spider-Man Far From Home or, you know, Homecoming and all of that jazz or MCU, this is not the one. I think with better writing, it would have served the better direction that Andy Serkis brought to it. And that's unfortunate because Andy Serkis and Tom Hardy clearly wanted to create something far superior than the first one, but I would say it's only a step better than the previous one. <coughs> yeah, I agree. Um, on a lighter note, uh, we get Little Sims from the UK um, making an appearance. Obviously, she was part of the soundtrack for Venom, mm-hmm. and then she actually does make an appearance uh, in the film. I'm not gonna lie, um, him. I not had, a significant part. I had no idea who that was. My girlfriend was telling me like, "Oh, it's Little Sims." I, was like, I, I don't know who that is. And if, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, I never, I never, I never pictured you as a um, as someone that was really into UK rap anyway so not anymore just mostly uh, to be as I, I've fallen off of music in general because this is so fast food too many people are coming in too many people are coming out it's it's a conveyor belt oh, that, that I can't look, keep up with she's been in the game for, for a minute bro <laughs> like she she is not new fair, fair enough but she was hiding somewhere in that yeah, factory yeah. that I couldn't see her that's all I can say boy yeah but yeah I was happy I was good to see her um, I've, I've heard her song from time ago mm-hmm. Um, for the leading up to the film, um, and to see that she actually uh, was there was was quite nice. Yeah. I even saw a little poster in the film saying her name. I was like, "Oh snap! She's gonna probably sing that song that she's been singing while well, rapping," and she did. So shout out Lil Sim! Like uh, anyone breaking into Hollywood from the UK, um, always is big. Yeah. Um, especially uh, all the black male actors that seem to be taking over. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, uh, good, good to hear. Good to hear, man. Cool. But yeah, that, that's um, that, that's that. Well, saying that, my my friend's brother, he's in that new Edgar Wright film, the that that um, horror thriller. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, and seeing him in the trailers, and obviously knowing him, um, actually knowing him, not you know, we're not close or anything, but I know of him. Uh, it's, it's huge man because just seeing like yo we're still breaking out there and um, there's a lot of male black British actors that are just trying to break through Hollywood and were successfully breaking it through and I think um, this is his um, his pathway into it so yeah props 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 props, props. big props okay but yeah that's that's the first film yeah. we was talking about um, now we have the most British of all British films coming up mm-hmm. we have the MGM mainstay, the uh, the big bad bad boy film that's literally one of the longest running franchises in cinema history. Mm. Tony, what are we talking about today? We are talking about James Bond, No Time to Die, and Oof. do you want me to kick this one off, or you want to kick this one off again? Please do, please do, please do. Okay, so I am a really big James Bond fan. I for the most part. I have fun with all of them. There are some weaker films. There are some stronger films. There are some bad films, without a lie. But it's a storied franchise going all the way back to Sean Connery, George Lazenby. Uh, we have uh, Pierce Brosnan. We have, um, oh, help me out here, uh, Roger Moore. 
we have Timothy Dalton, you know, uh, a couple more there that I've probably missed, but give me one moment. <coughs> Story, long franchise with multiple actors, but one of our recent mainstays has been Daniel Craig, who I love as an actor. I go way back with him to like um, Road to Perdition, where he played a really dope villain in that, in Layer Cake, where I believe Layer Cake got him the job for Casino Royale. And things yep. in between, you know, even bad films that he's done, like, um, a, um, what's again, Cowboys and Aliens, which I have fun with that film. I don't think it's amazing. Don't think it's terrible. But it's an interesting comic book that was adapted, but just not well. Now, this film here is the culmination of his tenure of Bond. And we all know he has made no qualms about this. He's wanted to get out of Bond for a very long time. But every so often, they just drop another zero on his paycheck and he's like oh i guess i'm doing it then and i get it it's they're hard movies to do you get a lot of criticism and you constantly have to stay in shape and he's not a young guy anymore but to be honest he is just he is a gorgeous man me actually as a heterosexual man i can admit that daniel craig is my man crush anyway let's get into the film now this film opens up with his love interest i'm going to be very spoiler light with this his love interest that we've seen from the past three movies replacing Vespa um, who for the most part I have to say is so boring I can't even remember her name I cannot remember her name and uh, they're having a good time somewhere in Italy I believe um, and just living life but something turns on them and Bond is getting attacked <coughs> and it seems like his old friends from the organization Spectre have been uh, attacking him and he's basically led to believe that her her existence is responsible for his attack. That she is still somehow involved with Spectre. And he's basically said, do you know what? I've had enough. I trusted you. I never trust people because the last time I trust something, something, it broke my heart when the person died. And to only find out that they were always on the wrong side of things. I'm not going to let it happen again. And he lets her go. Lives a life of seclusion. He comes across another double O. This, you know, this, this, this beautiful black woman, this strong black woman agent, and he's pulled back into the game. He wants, he wants done like Daniel Craig himself. Both characters, Bond and Daniel Craig, are want out of Double O Seven, but he gets pulled back in because there's another, there's another game afoot. And people being targeted and taken out, and they need to find out why. Oddly enough, seems very familiar to the original story of Mission Impossible 1, but I'm not going to say anything. He gets back into the game, everything ensues, he finds out, he finds out back with the love interest, only to find out big twists, something's happened with her, and they're connected again. Now, that's as far as I'm going to get with the spoilers. Overall, I can say this about the film. I like the film fine. I think it was too long with no character development. You you learn a few things here and then about mostly his love interest and her background, but you don't learn anything about the new 00 who replaces him as the new 007. She's just a one-liner machine or tries to be, but the writing does not serve her whatsoever. Um she's not given any significant action scenes. And to that note as well, there's not a lot of interesting action scenes in this film. All of it is kind of like top heavy. All of the dope action is very much in the first third of the film. 
The rest of it is kind of fine, even when you come to the crescendo, the climax at the end. It's very much pedestrian when you come to the, the hierarchy of even just Daniel Craig Bond movies. And it makes a mistake that Spectre makes as well, where it doesn't know when to end. The ending that they do have is so... What's the word? Um, it wants you to feel something that it did not earn whatsoever. Throughout the whole film, <coughs> it's building up to this thing. But it's building up with the smallest of bricks. That by the time you get to the end of it, you don't really care. At least I can speak for myself. Maybe some people out there did, felt the connection, felt the this thing, the pangs of it. I I didn't. I didn't care for the villain either. Like, not that it was bad. Again, uninteresting. There was a, literally a scene in the film where the movie stops, where he just gives you an exp uh, ex exposition dump of his origin story. There's no, there's no, like, investigation of, like, picking pieces and finding out, oh, my God, all along, this guy was... It was just like, oh, this is my background. Back in the days, my parents got killed. I'm kind of the evil Batman, and I want to end it all. That's it. For me, this is not the way you 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 send off not only Bond but you send off Daniel Craig's Bond. He deserved better than this, and I could I could never really recommend this one to anybody. You know, as many as much as the faults that Spectre had, I think Spectre is a better film than this. That's my piece. All right, um, yeah, Bond, <laughs> very interesting. Uh, a very, very interesting uh, film, um, mainly because of what it tried to do. I, I think more so this film than any other film in this franchise so far has been the bondiest Bond film that's ever bonded <laughs> in Daniel Craig's uh, tenure. And for various reasons, like down to the villain, he's a classic villain. He's that moustache twirling villain that has a but with a deeper backstory, uh, with deeper motivations, which is... Um, you know, it's like, oh, I haven't seen this in a while. I wonder if they're going to play it hammy, if it's going to be serious. And he played it straight. It was played straight. He was just a weird but scary uh, villain, which is something that I haven't seen in a very long time. The the Bond villains in the past, uh, it, w within the tenure of uh, Daniel Craig, have been very like, all right, cool, just a regular guy that has a bad plan. But like, for example, like the Roger, uh, Roger Moore with the Pierce films, it's been a very like, all right, cool, global domination type destroy the world type villain and they, they brought that back with this film so you know like I said a lot of things that you expect from a spy uh, film do, do appear in this that's why I'm saying it's the most bondiest Bond film that's ever down to the um, the location the final location you know when you see the final location like oh my gosh like you feel like you just jump back what 30 40 years because it's kind of like alright there's something that you expect from a film of that era you had the um henchman with a specific quirk <laughs> so they call that back as well like if you if you're um if you're a big bond uh fan you know that they have that that there's always that one henchman that seems to be all right cool for some reason i survive until the end of the film and my quirk helps me survive to the end of the of the film um you had the car gadgets that came back uh, you had the uh very very cool vehicles um they didn't it wasn't so much or to the point it was useless like everything had its purpose and at least i like that rather than some of the old gadgets i like all right cool you have one purpose and it will come up in this one particular scenario 
at least everything in this film um, except for this one gadget that I thought was kind of dumb but we're not going to get into that too tough um, you still had the sexy women and the suits uh, they treat sexy women or women very 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 differently uh, to how Bond girls have been treated in the past at one point they did a very nice little callback to a Bond girl uh, in this film but then they completely flipped it and were like alright cool instead of it being like this now it's going to be like this and I thought you know well I'm going to get onto um, why I think they did that uh, in a little while but yeah no it, 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 it was it was nice to see that they were calling back a lot of uh, things it, it definitely felt like an end for 007 or James Bond or Daniel Craig's one because there are so many things that they made that they did in this film to make it feel very 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 final a lot of doors closed just saying a lot of doors closed in this franchise as it currently happened in the story of this universe that they set up you'd think like oh okay okay that, that that's that, that's now done they, they they literally wrapped up all the little plot contrivances or all the little things that people had questions about before yeah done 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 like even things that you didn't even care about like oh i didn't know that was a thing but i guess that's a nice way to introduce it in this film um for example the sexual orienta- uh, the sexual um orientation of uh one of the characters i was like oh okay cool and we move um so the the one thing that i would say about this film that was a bit confusing not about the plot just about the future of this film um well just to summarize what how i felt about the film I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. It, it. it was entertaining enough. Like the action scenes, I, I enjoyed. Uh, Daniel Craig had once again the best one-liners in this film. You know, very very cool character. Very very cool cool scenes that he's in. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely uh, watch this again. Um, but once again, I'm like, I I don't know who'd play Bond next or anything. Mm. It's just how I felt about the film is is very um. Yeah, yeah, I entertained. I didn't feel anything, so I'm very on the same same page as Tony. Where it's like, okay, things happened. I, I didn't really feel anything for it, but I'm happy that it did happen because it was quite entertaining. Now, the thing I was a bit confused about, and this is going to be the final thing I'll say about it, is the things that this film sets up, knowing that it was the last film. There's a few things that get set up in this film to kind of be like, all right, cool. There is a future for this franchise, but then. At the same time, James Bond, you know, technically will return. So it's kind of like, okay, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to ignore the things that they set up in this film and just press on with a new Bond, or they're going to do an amalgamation of, of the two where they are going to reset Bond, which they're definitely going to, but are going to transfer things from this franchise as it currently stands into that new iteration of Bond. And this is not the first time they've done this. So it's not something that is unheard of. Uh, Ju- um, is it Judy Dench? Mm-hmm. Um, when she took on uh, the role of M, yes. technically replacing the previous M, mm-hmm. and then it circled back around after Pierce to Daniel Craig, yes. her still being M, and then her spoiler alert passing away yes um and then being replaced by the current uh 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 is it Mar- uh, marilyn yes uh who's m now yes and then that was the same marilyn that was from the previous bond that got replaced by judy dench right so it was like a weird loop and overlapping universes yes so it, it's not beyond this franchise to do that 
and to make it work and more to tell people shut up don't worry about it it's a thing just enjoy it so they they don't have to worry about the x-men you know origins wolverine just messing around with time mm-hmm. type thing they'll just make a change and press on yep. which they've been doing for literally years the bond character has been passed around for so many times yeah so the two things so the, the the things that they've set up in this film that kind of uh, uh, um set up things that will stay or mainstays mm-hmm. for the next franchise i'm very interested to see if that will that would actually happen like will will they keep uh the few things that they have set up in this for the next um for the next bond because yeah i'm not trying to say too many, you know, too much about it mm-hmm. because if i say too much then it's more than giving up exactly what happens in this film yeah but um I'm, yeah like i said it's a very final film but i'm very confused or I'm, i don't know what they're going to do if uh in the next iteration of bond if i was to give my opinion my analysis on it i think mm. from what i can i can gather of the film i can definitely tell that there was a lot of scenes cut from the new double o uh, the new 007. I just got this feeling that there was more there that literally was cut on the edited ring floor. I think with the ending that they chose in terms of um, that, you know, the ending, um, they're going scorched earth. Nothing in this bond is going to carry over. You did raise a good point with what they did with M. I think the reason why that works and that wasn't so much of an issue is because they uh, the previous bonds never suffered the ending that this one had right so <coughs> i don't know why it keeps coming when i want to talk when you're talking it's not there so i feel like you're sabotaging me ken i feel like you're using your your, your <laughs> juju to, to to bring on this cough anyway um yeah especially if you say it like that <laughs> yeah so um yeah, it's just my suspicion because of the ending that they chose. Because, you know, you could imagine they probably shot multiple endings and they chose this specific one. Um, I think it's, yeah. they're very clear in that we are stepping away from this. Because um, it, it does. The, the other side of it is that a lot of the things in this bond, in terms of what you've mentioned, in terms of setup, they weren't set up well enough that anybody would care if they forgot about it or just ignored it. Case in point, I keep going back to the Bond. It's like played by Lashana Lynch, who I think is a wonderful actress. I, I, I've known her for previous stuff, you know, in uh, Captain Marvel, even in this uh, yep. Romeo and S. I think it was called Starcross. No, I, I don't think it's, it's... Star... <coughs> well, it is. Star. Well, it was a. Starcross Night, no? Pardon? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. The Romeo and Juliet. The, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, was it called Starcross? Yeah, Starcross. Yeah. Um, she was really good in that. Like, I really liked her in that. Um, but the fact that she was given absolutely no character in this, besides a few one-liners, no development, nothing interesting, indicates to me, said like, yeah, we got no plans for her. None. Because we didn't have plans for her in this. And if they did, very much feels like it was left on the cutting room floor. Uh, but I just suspect that it- when they get the new Bond, they're going for a whole new flavour. Yeah they're literally just everything is scorched earth none of this stuff is sticking around well on that and um because there's another character that kind of gets set up as well to replace um another character mm-hmm. in this i i think um a reason for why they did that and they didn't really give her too much yeah. is because everyone knows this is daniel craig's final yeah. outing so i think the focus is on everything that's around him and his emotions and everything that affects him right 
Um, so they almost, just like you said, they, they cut things out to make sure that that was the focus yeah. and, uh, and no one else. Yeah. Yeah. So she did feel like a, a, a very competent, um, a very competent character, but wasn't given anything because they wanted the focus to be Daniel Craig. And it, it seems like it, which is a shame because they've shown that they yeah. can build peripheral, good peripheral characters. Like I still care about Money Penny, especially this iteration. But again, in this film, nothing to really say or do. I care about Felix. He had more to say and do. He was pretty much a plot point. But yeah, it seems like everything they did was to say, hey, <coughs> we are leaving all of this behind. That's why we're exactly. not actually focusing on it. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. Um, but at the same time, I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah, very um, much so. I'm quite sure they're going to leave leave this franchise for a while. They're going to leave it until, you know, it's 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 done enough. Actually, what was the time difference between um, the last Pierce film and um, and Daniel Craig? So, Die Another Day, which was... Uh, oh, die, was that the last one? That was definitely the last one. That came out, I want to say, in 2002. Uh, yes. You are absolutely right. And, uh, well done. And Casino Royale came out in 06. Wow. Okay. That that was shorter than I expected. Mm-hmm. So um, Four years. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the, the period of time, what they're going through right now, and they probably started it during their uh, marketing run, they, they are screen testing right now as we speak. They are screen testing. Yeah, they must be. They are courting directors and writers. They are strategizing on where to maneuver the franchise, uh, what tone they want to take. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't if it wasn't for Kingsman. I wouldn't be surprised that if once upon a time they had plans to actually reboot Bond and make it a bit more cheesy, like the old, like when they reboot. Like I think a brilliant idea would have been when they rebooted it, literally set the the new Bond in the sixties, as if it's like the original. Sean Connery Bond, but Ooh, that'd be interesting. it would be. But I think with the fact that you have Kingsman one and two, kind of like obviously being contemporary, but using that sixties flavor of you know over the top villains and you know uh, very very fitted you know tailored suits um, and that kind of aesthetic, I think that's been satisfied. And obviously you, we still have. Uh, the King's Man to come out, which I can't wait for that film. That trailer was dope. Um, it looks so gritty, so different from the actual Kingsman one and two, I, and, and I love it, it because it, it makes sense. Though it's like the grit of it makes sense because of the time period, right? It's like World War One, so it's like it being mm-hmm. the origins of this later, more pristine and slick version of the uh, the Kingsman organization makes so much sense. So visually in that grittiness, it, it chronologically makes sense if that makes sense in what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Like it's, it's how all origins of anything starts. Yeah. It, it's, it's rough. It's not clean cut. It's, it's, it's grimy. It's like it's still trying to find itself right, right. before it actually goes off to do exactly what it needs to do. Yeah, so, I agree. So um, I think, I think, I can't wait for The King's Man. I know like, you know, I've talked about something else, but um, yeah, I, I, I think... I think that's what's happening right now. I think uh, we won't, we probably won't hear about who is the next Bond until I want to say twenty twenty four. 
Um, yeah, I think that's a good time. Um, mainly because because we know they've wrapped up filming Bond from time yes. ago. You know yes. what I mean? Um, and then obviously the virus delayed everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I think we would have heard a lot more sooner in maybe like 2023, 2022 maybe. Yeah. If everything came out exactly when it was supposed to come yeah. out, but because it didn't, yeah, everything just got pushed. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to? Anything more you want to discuss? Anything you want to um, add to the show before we wrap up? Um. Well, you told me something very interesting before we started recording, and uh, I would love to discuss it very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, you potentially doing taekwondo. No, krav magra wasn't krav it? Krav magra. Yes, I was. I was yeah, in- yeah. Sorry, people. Uh, just to let you know, Tony has been a self-proclaimed supervillain of the world. Oh, I and, wasn't self-proclaimed. Um, okay, some- calm down. You've put that moniker on me. If, if if you hear some of the things that he said in the past, it'll be very clear that this guy wants to, I quote, scorch the earth. <laughs> I mean, um, and so to hear that uh, Tony was uh, uh, was going to do a bit of Krav Maga, um, and he is quite a pacifist, <coughs> almost like akin to Thanos of like, yes, I'm trying to make peace by destroying, <laughs> I mean, but I want peace it was a, or even peacemaker. It was an invitation. Yeah, actually, yeah, more, more peacemaker. It was an invitation. <laughs> I like for, this is the thing for me, right? Yeah, I enjoy martial arts in terms of seeing it, right? I like it in films and stuff like that, but participation in it, the idea of causing bodily harm on another individual, given the fact that I, I recognize my own physicality, my own strength. I am not what would what some people may consider a a pushover i'm i'm quite a heavy dude i'm quite a strong dude i uh, i used to box but again even when i used to box i preferred the training rather than the sparring because i've been in fights and i have hurt people really badly um it's not something that i'm actually proud of um sometimes i think about the impact of things like boxing and american football which are two sports that i enjoy more so american football but again you leave people with a you know um people just know it as a concussion but there's an actual progressive condition known as um traumatic encephalopathy um sometimes referred to as uh t uh what is it <coughs> I forgot the abbreviation, but a lot of soldiers suffer this, you know, constant battle, getting knocked down, explosions, where it's, it's, it's literally akin to having early onset Alzheimer's. Your, body, your brain is so, so decayed, so destroyed by constant impact. Essentially, when you get punched in the head, a knockout is basically your brain compressing on the inside of your skull from the force of the yeah, other side. Yeah, a concussion, no? A concussion is an acute phase of it. Traumatic encephalopathy mm. is the chronic phase of it to the point where you literally are, you're, you're having headaches, memory loss, bouts of aggression out of nowhere. Problem with the condition as well is that it is, it's not fully diagnosable until you're dead. You can only confirm it post, post-mortem. Yeah. So that's why things like, you know, soldiers can't even get really treated for it because you know especially in american army and navy and stuff is because they don't recognize it until you're diagnosed you can't be diagnosed with it until you're dead 
Yeah, that's that's quite sad actually. You know, and same thing with with, uh, with with boxes. You know, a lot of boxes end up with so CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. This is something that you may have heard in passing, and not known where it is. But it is the chronic version of what a concussion is. A concussion is is acute, is is momentary. Hopefully, it's momentary. But if you have multiple concussions, there's going to be lingering effects of it, and those effects are literally known as chronic traumatic encephalopathy. You don't want anything sounding like encephalopathy. Encephalopathy doesn't even sound nice. Why would you want that? So. You know, me going into Krab Magra, not to say that I would ever use it on anybody or even the idea that going to the class of it is that I appreciated my friend's invitation. It was nice of them to invite me. Um, it's just that it was one of those ones a part of me felt kind of like, ah, I don't know, because I've never grew up wanting to do karate, kung fu, you know, jujitsu, j- even judo. So like throwing somebody around, I can throw something around. Like, you know, I was raised throwing rice bags around. Don't get it twisted. I could throw mm-hmm. people around. Um, but I would always feel guilty in any fight I've had as, uh, when I was younger, win or lose, just the idea of physically harming somebody always kind of made me feel a bit bad. It does make me wonder if there is beyond Tai Chi, um, what, what, what martial arts is there that's purely defense or do people still stand by the whole idea of, which I, I get sometimes, mm-hmm. Um, a good defense is a better offense. I mean, yeah. uh, it's it's a difficult one because I think there are martial arts outside. Because Tai Chi, I don't think it was ever considered a martial arts. If it was, it's probably like year, many hundreds of years ago where it looked completely different to what we see now and has evolved more into the meditative arts. Um, but I think... Um, at the end of the day, anything involving limbs, you can never say is purely defensive because the same movement from another perspective is attacking, right? So, like, if I block with my forearm, mm. I use same forearm on your face. It's still going to hurt. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether you can make a martial arts that's purely defensive outside of, like, I'm just going to keep blocking you, keep blocking you, keep blocking you. But... Again, with any tenant, if you extend from the from the outside going in and flip it to the, out, the inside going out, it's all about momentum, right? A punch is only a punch because you're carrying momentum away from your body to um, away from your body towards the target. So, again, if you have limbs, then you're gonna be attacking. That uh, the the possibility of attack is possible. You know, I think only only way to to do a martial arts that's purely defensive is if you're quadriplegic, quadriplegic right? You can't you can't <laughs> physically hit anybody. Okay, on that as well. Uh, well, not on that specifically, but um, on the whole idea of defense and actual fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been look I've been thinking about it for a while. It's actually a mad coincidence that we're talking about this, but um, when it comes to actual fighting. I can't think of many situations where fighting or even defending yourself mm. is abs- absolutely necessary. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't any. Yeah. Of course there are. But it's not as it's not as prominent as, you know, sometimes people make it, uh, make you think. I guess Most it, it, it depends on your environment, are usually you know? resolved. 
Well, yes. If you're in a if you're in a I, war I torn country to, 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 to with warlords and somebody breaks into your house, there's no choice of negotiation. Sometimes they're there to take your stuff, and best case scenario, oh, they don't oh, kill oh. you. Yeah, well, that that that's that's something slightly different. I'm talking about fighting specifically, mm. fighting specifically, yes. because given some of these war torn countries, it's a very quick solution. Mm-hmm. Collect a bullet, yeah. <laughs> you're getting shot, like straight up, like to 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 the point where armies are are still training people for hand to hand combat, yes. but they are training more so with how to uh, uh, counter strike, how how to um, Send missiles. How to oh, be more so smart? You're asking, your, you're, are uh, you the, asking the that like when is a specifically martial arts necessary versus the fact that if you already got a gun, what's the point of martial arts? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. So just 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 to maybe phrase it better, it's it's along those lines of okay. So you, you learn how to fight, or even if you know a few techniques, you have to know a whole uh, martial arts because I know martial mm. arts have a lot of benefits beyond actually just punching someone yeah. and kicking someone in the face. But um, I, I'm trying to think like most for, for, for conflict. So when you have a conflict, yeah. any type of conflict, right? Um, out of all the conflicts that you have, um, I think it's a small percentage mm-hmm. where uh, a, an attack or, or defense forms or, or, or martial arts is actually necessary. Mm-hmm. There are some conflicts that can easily be resolved just by walking away. Yeah. Some conflicts can be resolved by literally just sitting on someone. Yeah. Uh, some conflicts can be resolved, you know, horribly mm-hmm. by shooting someone or um, um, calling the police or, you know, hiding or yeah. whatever. And actually <coughs> choosing the option to try and fight is usually the worst right. option See, in some of these I conflicts. I think it's interesting because you, know you I mean? mentioned the term conflict. I think conflict in my book, right, and I could be wrong about this, but shouldn't be conflated with a fight, right? reason why I say that is that a conflict can be multi-tiered it can be from simple words words evolving to physical altercation all the way to warfare a conflict is you know essentially a a a for and against right yeah that's exactly what i mean so on the spectrum of all of that putting that all into to the point of martial arts i think a, a martial arts is just part of a conflict right Conflict, I think, is it's like an umbrella of of a, of of a, a issue between one or more peoples. Mm-hmm. Whereas fighting martial arts is very very simple. It's is basically I need to attack you to win. Whereas, like you said, a conflict within itself can be solved in myriad of ways of simply running away, simply simply sitting on a person, like you said, or even talking it out. Whereas if you're already in a fight, yeah, you could probably talk it out right there and then. But I get your point in terms of like, it's very unnecessary, but I don't think conflict and fighting should be conflated as the same thing. You know? Um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely conflating them at the same thing. Like, because fighting is a type of way to resolve a conflict. Very much. But again, you know it's I mean? not the same thing. Is you, you can use it to, to, to resolve a conflict. That's why I think the conflict is the umbrella of the situation. Whereas a fight, martial arts, whatever you want to call it, is a, is a part of it. Like you said, a conversation could be yeah. a part of it as well. Or running away could be yeah, a part of it. Yeah, but you said about it being the same thing. I'm not saying it's the same mm, thing at okay. all. I'm just saying it's a way of resolving yeah. the conflict just like all those other techniques. Yeah. But the actual use of it, you know, for, for, for most uh, like altercations mm-hmm. or 
times when people might be, you know, like disagreeing or yeah. there might be something between two people. Mm-hmm. More times than not, um, fighting is is not the way to deal with it or like not the best way to deal with it is what I'm trying to it's say. It's not, but it can I mean, be the, it, 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 it can be the most efficient in the sense of like, put it this way, right? Um, I think fighting or martial arts, whatever you want to call it, is necessarily in, necessary in the sense of quick resolution and also like if you want to if you want to harm somebody right and that's the whole purpose of martial arts right is to physically harm somebody and if you want to defend yourself is to defend yourself against being harmed so we mentioned the fact that like you got a gun if you haven't got a gun easiest way to harm somebody is to punch him in the face if you do have a gun even sometimes at close quarters that's why they refer to it as uh, especially in the armed forces as close quarters combat is because Something like an AK, you kind of require range, right? If it's already, if you're taking it from a down position upwards and the guy's already in your vicinity, a better option is to actually headbutt him or punch him, at least to get the distance where you can actually shoot him. So I agree with you fully that there's probably better ways to resolve conflicts or even a fight, <coughs> right? Run away, shoot them, bum them. But I think sometimes it's the idea of proxim- proximity versus time. If I am right there and I need to end this thing, I can't run away because there's three men surrounding me. Again, these are very unique situations. So to your point that it's, it's, it's a rarity as well. I don't, I don't, yeah, dis- I don't, I don't yeah. dispute that whatsoever. But uh, in terms of necessity, I think uh, the necessity comes in the situation. If you're being punched, constantly being punched and you have no option to to run away, the necessity is to block, to defend, to use martial arts. Um, but again, in that situation, yeah, in that situation, course. if you can run it's, away, it's then you should run away. Uh, that's that's the key thing. Uh, but I think the necessity comes with anything. It's like you're eat, you're, you're you're eating food, right? Knife and fork is not necessary. It's not necessary. It's not a necessity. You can eat with your hands. But the situation you find yourself in of company, polite company, you say to yourself, I am going to use a knife and a fork. So it's always, everything can always be put through a lens of the situation. And I think necessity is always relative. It can never be kind of taken as a constant. If it, if it was, then I think the idea is we'd be, we'd be, it'll be equilibrium and we'll be boxing with guns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the the point I'm trying to get mm-hmm. to is um, because I, I've seen quite a few people that are quick to anger, quick to want to yeah. fight, or quick to want to deal with that. I I always see them just going situations with the wrong mentality, like rather than like do the thing that is a lot more calmer, a lot more like all right, cool. And it's not a, a fight type. A situation where a, a fight is absolutely necessary but people take it to that level because they're emotional because they're annoyed and whatever and it's like all right cool this could be easily resolved if you just you know put your pride to the side or walked away or you know talk to the person or try to be smart about it but most times when people get into fights it's usually due to ignorance or stupidity or you know fear of actual <laughs> further violence or alcohol or just straight up bravado um, and feeling that they need to showcase their uh, their manliness mm-hmm. or, or or toughness 
So yeah, man. Like I see that a lot of Conor, Conor McGregor. How many times has guys just put hands on people when you're a trained fighter? Because yeah. because he, he's in. Are you talking about in the press but, junk, no, junket, or have you heard like news of him doing out on the streets? Mate, that happened recently. Really? He just like he just attacked somebody on the street. Yeah, Rev. Like, have you not seen him in, in interviews or when he's on the red carpet or something? He chucked to. Chuck to drink at someone. He's ready to go for someone. See, this guy is not okay. Sometimes I think I think you know what I mean? some, like, he's, he's ready for. A I fight. think it's one of those ones. It's like we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, I think one thing needs to be. Boy, there was there was no threat to him. There's no threat to him. But <laughs> what no I mean in terms of what we don't know, don't know. Is, uh, we don't know what we don't know is that in a sense is that is this his temperament, as in his psychology, that he's just purely a violent thug, or is this part of the show because he is a showman? And he needs to sell tickets, right? You think about somebody like Muhammad Ali back in the days. There was loads of articles about this guy is a bit, a bit of a, you know, the people that were against him anyway in terms of the media. This guy's a big mouth. He constantly runs his mouth. But no, he was a genius in terms of marketing. He sold those shows. If it wasn't for his putting down of his opposition, like to the point of like he actually had some of these guys crying before fights because he, he went into them so hard. So with Colin McGregor, his his bouts of uh, thuggishness, maybe it is purely him. He is just a thug, an angry thug with psychological issues. Or is it that he recognizes that the more I am in the paper for some of this stuff, the more eyes on me and my future bouts where we get a bigger and bigger purse. I think it's a curious thing. Because that's a that's sports psychology right there in terms of marketing, and there's also the question of sports psychology in terms of the individual how messed up they are. So, I I haven't actually uh, read a lot about his antics outside of the ring to actually know to have an, even an opinion. Obviously, you know more than me, uh, but there there are people that are truly just messed up. Like Mike Tyson, unfortunately, outside of the ring, he had his issues of domestic violence. He's learned from them for the most part. You see that he's, he's become mm. a new person in terms of his Zen, a more Zen ideology. Uh, and he's explained that when he was in the ring in his early days, when you're constantly being told that, hey, you are a beast, you're a champion, you're a monster, you're a monster, you're a monster, you start to believe that. And you, you, you carry that with you in all walks of life, not even just in the ring outside. It's like, I'm a monster and everything around me is just Tokyo and I'm about to step on it. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I I don't know. I don't know Conor McGregor from Adam, and I haven't seen any of these reports. You know better than me. But if he's going out there just beating people, that doesn't sound like building up hype for a fight. That sounds like a douche, and I won't stand for it. I won't sit for it. I won't even lay down for it, Ken. I won't. Yeah, he he sounds like he's uh quite uh well, he's an angry he's a, guy. He's an angry guy. <laughs> uh, that's what I get from diary him. of a of he's a mad guy. white woman. <laughs> uh, just angry and entitled anyway but um, saying that I think today was a nice yes. episode we talked about quite a lot quite efficient mm-hmm. actually than usual had time to talk about other things but yeah no no it's, it's been a it's been an interesting week and uh, next week's going to be even more interesting a lot more things are coming out so next many week things that, all uh, of things adding to my to watch list that just keeps on getting extended and extended yes. but yeah man all good. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you for joining us this week. I apologize again for my coughing. Um, I, I don't know how you're going to do it with the editing, Ken. Maybe you just leave it in there for, 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 for a little bit of color, a little bit of flavor. I think it adds color. 
I think it adds color and yeah. flavor for sure. Um, so we'll apologies for that. You know, if it's especially if it's coming in too <laughs> loud, I'm really sorry. I'm still getting over this, whatever it is. It's not COVID. Don't try to say it's COVID. Don't be be putting that slander on me. I'm COVID free. Um, but uh, apparently, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. <laughs> we love you. You love been rocking with us. You know, it was very still a very small community, but we hope to grow. But just put the word out there. Say like these cool guys, local guys were from New Cross and Deptford were local. If you're listening local, just just put our names out there. Like your evangelism is what really helps us. Uh so uh you can you can find us on our social media. Don't be afraid to hit us up there. You find me on Royal Deck Majesty, uh on deck.podcast on Instagram, on deck.podcast on Twitter, and you can find Mr. Ken on I am Mr. Ken on Instagram. And with that, I bid you adieu. Peace. Adios, people.